I've chosen to divide this lesson into two parts because it's so in-depth. Um, the first section deals with our attitudes about prayer and our feelings about prayer and what we do. And the second part is actually how we pray, the Lord's Prayer and such. So next week I'll hit on the how-to part, but this week I want to talk about the, the inward part as far as what is your attitude and, and uh, I don't, your feelings about prayer. So if you could advance for me. Um, I looked up prayer in the dictionary because that's always a good place to start. And Webster defines prayer as the act of offering reverent petitions to a deity, which sounds a little hard to me. Um, so I looked in a book called Teach Us How to Pray and Fast by Kim Johnson. And Sister Johnson said prayer is having a conversation with God, which to me sounds a little bit more doable. And that's how I teach it to my third graders. All you have to do is talk. You guys are really good at that. And most of them are really good at it. Go ahead. Um, why did Jesus mention prayer on the Sermon on the Mount? He's led up to this with lots of different topics. And you kind of have to look and think, why did he choose this? And one of the reasons is because many of the Jews had taken the act of prayer and corrupted it in many ways, as they had done many things. The focus had been lost, and Jesus wanted to set the people straight about the correct way to pray. There were several traditions that the Jews had adopted that hindered true prayer. Um, there's five of these. The first one is that prayer had become ritualized. In other words, it had become a tradition, something that they just did. Prayers were memorized and repeated or simply read every day. Um, this could be accomplished with little attention to the real meaning of the prayer, sort of that idea that we can sing the same worship choruses over and over and over again and there's nothing going on here. We're just saying them. This had happened to the Jews. For example, the, is it the Shema or the Shema? Shema, Shema, all right. Didn't know longy or shorty. Okay, from several Old Testament scriptures. It was repeated morning and night, and sometimes an abbreviated version was used. So not only did they have ritualized prayer, but sometimes they just shortened it to get it over with quicker. Prayers were prescribed for every object and occasion. There were specific prayers for everything, light, darkness, fire, rain, traveling, good news, bad news, etc. You could go on and on. They had a prayer for everything. Although the attitude behind such prayers might have been right, it was corrupted because it removed all the spontaneity and personality from their prayers. So I can actually see when they were planning all of this, where it started out right. They were thinking, we need a prayer for everything in our lives. We want God's blessing and his protection to cover every part of my life. Um, but I think what happened was they got a little bit too structured with their prayers. And they had no, no spontaneity, no personality, no ability to just communicate with God. Prayer was limited to certain times and occasions. When the right time came, they prayed, not in response to genuine need. There was no heart in it. This reminds you of anybody this morning? <laughs> I, was, I was, go ahead, Rachel. I was so freaked out by the time change this morning teaching. I literally checked my clock 20 times. And then at least three times I turned on the radio to try and hear the time. I don't know what's the matter with me. <laughs> I just thought they were going to reset themselves back or something. Um, they esteemed, the Jews esteemed length, not sincerity. So this picture here is someone who's talking, 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 and the person that's listening has kind of got that glazed over look on their face, like, I'm not hearing you anymore. Um, 
the effectiveness of prayer was believed to be in proportion to its length. So they literally felt like the longer they prayed, the better the response. And Jesus spoke in Mark 12:40 of the scribes who for appearances sake offer long prayers. So they really did esteem people or hold people up that could pray for a long time. They used meaningless repetition. And I put in the word actor. And for some reason, this to me, on my, my clip art that is, um, this picture reminds me of someone who is trying to look very pious and in charge. And this is kind of what I think they might have been like. Um, they tried to outdo each other. They added adjective upon adjective before God's name, the most holy, precious, sovereign, blah, blah, blah. And it didn't really mean anything. It just showed their vocabulary. They babbled the same thing over and over again, thinking that they'd be heard because of their many words. Jesus was not tricked. He's usually not tricked. Um, never tricked, actually. Their true attitudes were showing. And though others thought that these people were true worshipers, the Lord knew the difference. And he could tell between the real deal and the fake. And I do believe within that structure of ritual and such that there were true worshipers among that crowd of Jews. I do believe that, um, that, that did all of those things with a true heart. But the truth was the appearance had become more important than what was on the inside. And he didn't give up on us. So, you know, he could have said, all right, we're going to scrap this prayer thing and come up with something else. He didn't do that. He tried to instruct us in the correct way to pray. So they, in this scripture, they have two examples. One is where people pray, and the other one is what words they use. So they give the hypocritical way and then the true way that Jesus want us, wanted us to do it um, in both of those instances. So four verses altogether. So starting with verse 15, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to stand praying in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Kind of sounds a little bit like what Brother Titus talked about last week in the week before. Hypocritical attitudes. So Jesus' listeners there at the Sermon on the Mount knew that there was nothing wrong with standing to pray, praying in the synagogue or being in the street to pray. These were things that happened to true prayers. And anybody, this happened to all Jews because they were instructed to pray at certain times, and so wherever they happened to be is where they ended up praying. The difference was that the hypocrites loved it. The attitude for they love to stand praying in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. They arranged their day so that it would just happen to end up somewhere, somewhere busy at the time of prayer. So. They didn't think, I'm, you know, I'm going to pray here where I'm having my lunch or whatever. They would think, um, I'm going to try and get over to so-and-so's house, and maybe in the middle, walking over there, I'm going to take the busiest street possible, and then that time to pray is going to come, and that's where I'm going to be. And everybody around me is going to see what a wonderful Jew I am, what a wonderful worshiper I am. The word there for street is platea which refers to a wide major street with busy intersections. This was not the kind of street that was referred to just a couple verses before. That was just a regular street, like could be a side street. 
this is actually a busy street. So they put themselves in the exact busiest place. It kind of makes you think about where you pray sometimes. It makes it just looking into this. Of course, we don't normally go and stand at, I don't know, 31 and county line and pray. Um, but it does make you think about your attitude when you pray. So Jesus' instructions to us in verse 16 was, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. So this scripture has been misinterpreted in a lot of ways. For one thing, they've said we shouldn't pray corporately. If, if we're in a group, then that's not in secret, and so you can't do that. Not right. We shouldn't pray in public. If someone asks you to pray for them, are you not supposed to pray for them right there? Um, and we should only pray in our prayer closet. And you've heard a lot of people refer to their prayer closet before. So what does all that mean? Remember, Jesus was addressing the attitude, not necessarily the action. He wasn't saying, you, if you've got something to pray about, hurry, drive home, go to your closet, and then pray. Not, no, no such thing. He said, when thou prayest, so I'm going to take this verse little piece by little piece. When thou prayest, this tells us that there are no set times that we must pray. So Jesus took out the objective and made all of this subjective. Does that make sense? The teachers in the house got it. Um, what that means is that you don't, it, it's not a checkmark thing anymore. He said, this is from the heart. And when you pray, this is what I want you to do. Enter into thy closet. Tamian in the Greek, which is the, the closet they're speaking of, literally, literally meant an inner room, like a small closet or a valuable, a secret place to store valuables. So that's what they were talking about, was literally a secret room or a secret small space. Jesus was instructing us to be as private as possible with our prayer time. In other words, with your personal prayer time, don't be ostentatious. Fancy word for annoying. Don't be annoying about it. Don't, you know, intentionally, I don't know, have prayer on your front porch or something. God forbid you would ever think that, you know, normal. Um, and when thou hast shut thy door, you have to shut out all the distractions. And I come back to this so many times in my own prayer life. If there is one thing that gets me, it is that cell phone, it's the distractions, people calling, people coming. Um, I recently had to move my prayer space because the place I was praying was just too distracting. It wasn't working for me anymore. You have to concentrate on him completely. And this is what I think the Lord meant when he said, shut that door, shut the door of your mind, literally, to all the other distractions. The cell phone has an off button for a reason. Let it be between you and him. Don't make this about you, him, and your sister or whoever you would be trying to impress with your prayers. Make it about you and him. And if you literally cannot be somewhere private physically, it's still possible to get in a secluded place mentally. And I do think that's what the Lord meant. That's why all of us sitting in this room this morning had a private worship session with the Lord, if you were keyed in. Because you can go to that place mentally where it is just you and the Lord. And if there's nobody else around, there's no distractions, just you and God. And pray to thy Father which is in secret, 
we, we don't have to go to extreme measures to be secretive about our prayers. It doesn't mean that you have to hide the fact that you're praying. It's impossible to conceal that you're praying, especially from family. Um, while I was studying this, I read that back in the fourth century, there were um, you know, cloistered communities that lived together um, for religious purposes. And they would shut their doors and go to their prayer closets, but you could hear everybody praying because they prayed as loud as they could so that everyone could hear them, probably because they couldn't talk otherwise. But, um, but they, they made a big show about their prayers. They were in a secret place, but they were so loud that everybody knew what they were doing. Um, this last question here, would anything change about your prayers if the audience were removed? If, you know, it, it, like if, if you're praying at home and you get into your prayers because you know um, somebody's over visiting with your husband or visiting with your mom, and you deliberately work yourself up and get so loud so that they can hear you, would your prayers be the same if the audience were removed, if nobody was around in the prayer room, if nobody was around at church? Would your worship and your prayers be the same? I hate questions like this. Um, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. It's a great promise, great promise. If, we, if you pray for that earthly audience, you will receive that reward. And that's what Brother Titus talked about last week again. If you're doing it to get people to say, well done, then that's all you get. You get the thumbs up, you get the pat on the back, you get people saying, ooh, good Christian right there. Um, but if you pray for that heavenly audience, the Lord, you will receive heaven's reward. Our prayers will be rewarded when they are prayed in the right spirit. It was it James that said, you. You ask, you're not getting it because you're asking amiss. You want to consume it on your own lust. You want, you want it because you want it, not because it's the right thing. So the second thing that Jesus talked about was vain repetition or just repeating things. Another word for vain is meaningless. It, but when you pray, don't use meaningless repetitions as the heathen do, where they think they shall be heard for their much speaking. The practice of using meaningless repetition was probably picked up from the heathen nations around the Jews. Often Gentiles used the same words over and over again, waiting for a response from their God. This reminded me of um, on Mount Carmel where the priests of Baal were there with Elijah, and they danced around their fire and even cut themselves and just made a huge show for hours and hours and hours, and nothing happened. And then how, somebody that Bible scholar remind me, how many words was his prayer? 60-something. I don't know. Anyway, not important. Super short prayer and fire from heaven. He even covered it with, with water. So it's not the length of the prayer. It's the prayer. Are you right with God? Is your attitude right? The words have nothing to do with it. Well, they do, but you know what I mean. All right. How the hypocrites prayed. Many religions still use this practice. Um, the Buddhists spin prayer wheels. Have you heard of that? Where they literally, they, I can't remember if they pin it on the wheel or if they just pray and they get the wheel turning. And each time the wheel goes around one time, it's supposed to be a prayer offered to heaven. So they've got these huge wheels and then they've got people in the temples. They're supposed to spin the wheels continually and be sending up continual prayers to heaven. Hindus pray to certain deities depending on what they need. They've got thousands of gods and on what the priest tells them is necessary. 
And even certain Christian groups use rep rep repetitious prayers. So Jesus' anecdote to that was that, Be ye not therefore like them, for your, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. And this kind of brings up a good question. So if he knows, do I need to say it? I've all, it's like the Bible has almost two sides because it's got the woman that, that annoys the judge enough that finally he gives her what she asked for, the widow woman. And then it's got verses that say, ask and expect to believe or expect to receive and leave it alone. So what's right? Be ye not therefore like them. So don't pattern yourself after the hypocrites, no matter what. Um, don't try to compete because God knows your heart. I think sometimes we get in these little secret competitions and nobody says anything about it out loud, but we're all trying to be the longest prayer or trying to be the one that's worshiping the most. You guys human with me? All right. <laughs> kind of uncomfortable to say that to a group and have all of them look at you like they don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Whew. Seek the real thing, even if it is more work. Yes, it's going to be more work. It, it is harder when God made prayer subjective instead of objective. It quit being a check mark on a piece of paper, and it started being about this. And this is harder to control than a check mark. For your Father knoweth what things ye have need of. Jesus is well aware of your needs. Um, just like Sister Lopez can testify right now, God had that car waiting for her literally before she even started praying and and it's just a matter of bringing those two things together notice that it does not say for your father knoweth what things ye want leave that alone prayer is more than just telling him what you need it's about relationship and i can honestly say i don't think being a christian would be worth it sometimes if it wasn't for prayer it is it's the icing on the cake it's it's the best thing about it. At this point on earth, I mean, yes, heaven's going to be great, but on earth, the best thing about it to me is prayer. Before ye ask him. In other words, we are supposed to ask. This is Jesus on the main line, by the way, for all my southern people. <laughs> Jesus knowing what we need. <laughs> took, some, took, took a few of you a few minutes. You know, shall we sing that song at Calvary? You guys were probably way too cool for that song. All right. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, all right. So now I know what you guys are going to remember about this. <laughs> um, Jesus, knowing what we need, does not change the fact that we need to humble ourselves and acknowledge that he is the giver. And I really think that that's what it's all about, is saying, God, I can't, I know you know, but I, I have to humble myself and tell you that I need it so that that relationship is right. It's all about relationship. So, looking at your prayer time then, reevaluate your prayer time. Is it private enough? I just, I said a few minutes ago, I had to literally move my prayer time to another spot because I just couldn't focus on what I needed to focus on. Can you shut the door and concentrate? Are your prayers becoming repetitious? Is your prayer list literally a list that you just read to the Lord? Um, are you getting your heart into it? Do you pray through each time? This, it's hard, hard to connect every time when a lot of times the flesh is just keeping you from getting there. So don't get discouraged with prayer. If you're in a rut, 
Um, these are some of the things I've tried before because unfortunately ruts will come. Um, praying and memorizing scriptures can help sometimes. Um, writing your prayers has helped me a lot before. If I feel like I just can't get the thoughts out, if I get up a, get a piece of pen, a piece of pen and a paper, that's right. Um, it can help me focus more. Um, focus on one thing per day rather than a list. Nobody said you had to get every single thing in every day. Or maybe they did, I, and I disagree with it. I don't know. Um, but sometimes for me, focusing on one thing or one category can help me through the week to get in everything that I feel like I need to get in. Um, spend some days just worshiping. There's days when I wake up and I am grouchier than anything. And I know that third grade and me are not going to mesh that day. Um, and so I just spend the day worshiping. I come up with creative things, write the Lord's letters. I just have to get yourself out of the flesh and get connected with him. Be creative. You don't have to do it just like someone else. I struggled a lot with this when I first got in church. I was a moron. I tried at, to pray like for two hours at a time. I thought that that's what the best thing was. I don't know what I was thinking. Nuts. Um, and it, of course it didn't work. I just got discouraged and upset and grouchy with prayer. Um, you don't have to do it just like everyone else. Come up with your own things. If I shared some of the things literally that I do in prayer just to get past that rut, you would laugh. So I'm not going to share them. So. Um, the greatest hindrance to prayer is finding time. There's no trick to getting a prayer life. You just have to make it happen. Amen. You just have to do it. Um, I came across this article in the paper this week, um, and I saw it's just a little list, and because I had this lesson on my mind, it clicked between exercise and prayer, and so this is not about finding an exercise time because it's obvious I'm not into that, but <laughs> um, you can change this to prayer. For every word exercise, put in prayer. I went ahead and put in exercise because I just thought it was funny that Human, that, that people in the world can figure this stuff out, and yet we can't apply it to prayer. We wait till we're in the mood, or we wait till everything's lined up. And there is no lining up. It never happens. Never. So you have to, to almost make it like a, almost like you would schedule an appointment. Make an appointment to exercise. Make an appointment to pray. Write it in your calendar and consider it as important as your other meetings and appointments. People think that doing that to exercise is normal and that doing that to prayer is weird, but it's not. It's what you have to do sometimes. Exercise, pray in the morning. This works for me because I am disgustingly cheerful in the morning usually. As the day goes on, more challenges may arise to prevent you from, from praying. So you'll be more likely to avoid unexpected interruptions or delays in the morning. And this honestly is what works for me. If it doesn't work for you, I know there's people that aren't morning whatever you call us, morning crazy people. Um, I like fall asleep about five o'clock. So morning works for me. This is another idea, do many prayer sessions. Who said it had to be an hour long at one time? Who said? Um, when time is limited on the hectic days, remember some prayer is better than none. If you only have 10 or 15 minutes, make it productive by moving your lips, I guess. So. Pack an exercise bag. This is crazy, but the night before you plan to pray, pack your exercise bag with everything you need to complete 
a walk, run, or cross-training session. This sounds crazy, but get your Bible, get your journal, whatever you use, and put it in the right place so all you have to do is get out of bed. Get your clothes ready the night before so that you can have more time to pray. All these scheduling things make a difference. And finally, this one was a little hard to relate, but choose hotels with fitness centers. <laughs> when you travel, stick to your routine, it says. So there are ways, I've, I've prayed everywhere in stupid hotels. I've looked like a moron crying in the lobby, sitting in a chair. There's places to pray if you'll look for them. There's ways to make it work. So in conclusion, Thomas Merton said, if you want a life of prayer, the way to get it is by praying. There's no secrets. Even the people who are exercise fanatics have worked it all out. So. Um, next week I'll cover the Lord's Prayer and, and that jazz. So thank you for being here, and they've started upstairs, so you're dismissed.